Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist. Pixelist on a Friday, the Ooh. podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, I'm Will. That's Blake. I always get the reverse wrong. Um, <laughs> you threw and, me for a second. The pause. I was like, am I Blake? <laughs> but we're good. Um, I'm Will. That's Blake. And today we're here to talk about a little Worlds Beyond number. W cubed mm. as a... Uh, as somebody suggested, and now I'm butchering this, but yeah, um, Worlds Beyond Number, the, wi- the Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One, Episode 6, Fresh Fish, which... I'm digging the water theme every episode seems to have. Yeah, okay, I wanted to talk about this, um, so just just remember that. Yeah, we'll put a pin well, in that. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we're here to talk about Worlds Beyond Number today. Um, if you're... Sorry, I was in. I was. I was about to say if you're new to us, but we're not there yet. Uh, any announcements before we need to? Um, we just put up. If you're a, we talk. We joke about like how we all the games, movies, and shows and things, but we never talk about games. We did just put out a video on games we on a, kind of a Blizzard news roundup. You can check that out. Um, contrary to what some people think, we do play Blizzard games, even though we seem to get a lot of criticism when we talk about Blizzard games. Uh, and um, we also just put out this week uh, episode one of The Ravening War. We haven't, I haven't finished episode two. I don't think Will has yet either. And then we did watch the latest CR episode, so you can expect those videos to come up uh, in the next, I guess, three or four days. Yeah. Um just to touch on it real quick last night's CR was great and uh, I'm about halfway through Ravening War episode two and that's great as well so I'm excited to uh, dive into those Um, the only other thing is uh, I mean maybe this isn't the best I mean I'll whatever I'll plug it Um, I know this is our Worlds Beyond Number audience so you guys maybe aren't Critical Role fans but I'm sure there's some overlap and if you're not maybe check it out but what I'm getting at is there is a new mini series coming from Critical Role starting at the end of this month called Candela Obscura. Blake and I are really excited for that. Um, we will be covering that as well. So if you are, um, you know, Dimension 20 Worlds Beyond Number fan and you haven't ever made the foray over, this could be a good um, chance to jump in because it's only going to be three episodes, you know, much, mm-hmm. much smaller plate to dive into. Um, and it looks to be pretty good. And one um, disclaimer, it is a custom uh, system uh, that Talis and Jaffe created. And so just know if you're coming over for the first time, checking out the first time, if some things aren't making a lot of sense, it's because we're seeing the system in play uh, for the first time, like we said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. Good reminder there. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. All right. I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm okay. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> what does that felt like? <laughs> um, you go. You got right. it. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, if you are new to us, uh, we recap the episode beforehand and we cut that out, put it on YouTube. So if you're on that recap video, be sure to check the description below for our full discussion on episode six of WWW. Um, and we also, I, I keep forgetting to say this and sometimes I forget to do it. But if you are on that recap video, we, there will be timestamps in the full video. So you can just skip straight to the discussion um, because that video will also include the recap. 
Anyway, um, on to the show. Episode six, Fresh Fish of Worlds Beyond Number. My friend, if you would take us off. Absolutely, my guy. Uh, so this episode, episode six, picks up where we left off, which is the party they have just put they've shoved the bone into the flower pot and <laughs> uh, to try to signal to will gallows and a meeting with that individual and as you may recall they followed what appeared to be a lit candle of some kind in a window with eyes on the pot uh, over in a nearby plaza and where the episode took left off was uh ame essentially having this vision uh, of some event some cataclysmic type event in the past episode picks up there uh, immediately, um, Ursulon does, I believe, lay on hands on Ame or, or does something to try to kind of help bring her back. And um, Ame then basically tells this this vision she had. And these two characters in front of her are, we will, we will come to find out, are two spirits, uh, one of the sea, one of the, um, was it the earth or the, or the forest? The forest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and they essentially don't quite know what it means, uh, but there's a bit of an unsettled uh, experience there or feeling there. And then our favorite character, the fox, naturally is extremely concerned <laughs> that uh, their master, Ame, is, uh, just went through this. Um, the party continues into this building where this window um, was spotted. And they come inside to find this very bougie, um, well-to-do. I think I think Brennan described it almost like a museum that had been like repurposed in some way, or like some historical building that had been repurposed into. Um, it is essentially like a gambler's lodge, so to speak. It is a place with all sorts. Actually, I'd say like a high-end casino is kind of where my mind goes. And this is the Ace of Wands. And immediately they are um, sort of amazed, not quite by the stuffiness. Um, Ursula notes that he's never been somewhere quite so expensive <laughs> and is immediately sort of put off by, I've lived this impoverished lifestyle and here I am now with my friends, really out of place. Uh, there is a host who um, is part snooty, part um, just more, uh, I guess, a high-end, uh, expecting high-end guests. Basically ask, you know, how are you? What's your names? Um, Ame gives them, like, here's who we are. Uh, we'd like to play. We'd like to play a game. And unfortunately, all the tables are full. And so they are instead led up to what's called the drawing room. It is kind of like this, this cocktail bar area where people come to relax and essentially wait for their turn to play a game. Uh, and so in this room, uh, they, uh, they order some drinks, um, some very odd drinks. Uh, what was it, like hot vodka or it something? Was hot warm wine. Yeah, and warm then wine. Had That's right. Yeah, I've never had warm yeah. wine. It was very interesting. I don't know if this is a thing or if they were doing a bit or what, but all that to say, um, Ursulon, I think, has three whiskeys and like slams them down like <laughs> yeah. one after the other. Is like, you know, I've never had good liquor before. Uh, and they basically talk about like, what should we do? Like, what, like, what's our game plan? Uh, the Fox, by the way, has never had alcohol before. And they're like, Sure, uh, which I don't know if this, if this is like animal endangerment, but they're like, yeah, Fox, go ahead. Uh, the Fox quickly becomes drunk and uh, not only becomes drunk, but very quickly moves into having a hangover where the Fox is like, I hate 
I hate everyone. I hate everything. <laughs> I hate alcohol. <laughs> um, all this to say, they are trying to figure out what to do next. And they're basically looking around the room to see, like, who do they notice? And in the room, uh, there's a couple things that happen. Um, Suvi hears chatter around um, some names that are mentioned that keep coming up in conversation. One of them is Payne. One of them is Moro. She doesn't recognize either. But there's a third one, and I can't remember. I think it was like Galvani or Galani or something like that. And I apologize. I, don't, I can't place it. But yeah, she, re- she recognizes this to be an abjurer. Um, either from the Citadel or part of um, maybe from her past. I can't remember. It's not a significant name in the sense of like she's run into this person before. She just recognizes the name. And is like, yeah. I've, I've heard the name before. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. It is Galani, and it's an abjurer high up in the researcher's core at the there Citadel. Great. Perfect. Um, they also note this man who... Um, uh, Brennan describes as having like a uh oh what's the actor's name um Sam uh oh um he's got this amazing mustache and this this guy has what appears to be a cudgel resting on a table uh and is reading a newspaper and oh, I think you're confusing two people the oh the, oh, the bartender the, the bartender, bartender was the, the mustache, mustache guy. guy yeah that's right that's right well, they do see the bartender and uh, has this great um, mustache. But then there's this other gentleman who's kind of off to themselves. And uh, they they notice that this individual has clocked them, um, whereas everyone else doesn't seem to have. So Ame uh, just gets up and walks on over and says, like, hello, sir. Can I take a look at your newspaper? Like, I'm trying to I'm new here. I want to, you know, not very smooth, honestly. <laughs> And the person is immediately cold and standoffish and is like, um, you know, basically, what do I have nothing to share to you. Like, if you, you, if you need help, you can find it your own way. And um, even is very um, antagonistic in the sense of Ami's like, well, you seem like someone who knows the news. Uh, what are the happenings around here? <laughs> and he's like, well, if I knew the news, then why would I be reading the newspaper? Like, kind of like you're a huge idiot, pretty much. <laughs> Um, and Ame basically, um, goes, is like, all right, well, sorry, thank you. (laughs) And goes back to the group. And what we have seen to happen in every episode happens again. Suvi, Suvi and Ame have this very awkward argument, essentially, where Suvi is like, you know, why are you so careless in talking with people and and she explains that like ame gave them their names and how you know you can't do that and you have to be smarter um there's just a lot of hostility there and ame basically asks like well what name would you like me to give instead and suvi says um just say i'm sky my name's sky and there's also an insight check rolled there where it seems like there's something there about suvi's name uh, a question around is Suvi even her real name, um, which more we'll talk about in the episode. All this to say, the person with the newspaper who is becomes to be known as the cudgel uh, because of the weapon that he handles gets up, leaves. Uh, long story short, comes back with this this woman who uh, by the name of Arlie, who essentially comes to the party and is like, "Hello, like, uh, what are you guys doing here?" Like, um, or not in a threatening way, but just sort of like. Yeah, hi, it's, it's, how can I help you? And basically offers to set them up for a private game, which they're like, let's have the private game. 
So they go to this private game, this private room, and immediately some characters walk in, most notably a man with pale skin and blue veins, almost like um, uh, like he's been struck by lightning almost, um, comes and sits at the table and is very quickly identified as Will Gallows and is essentially uh, almost like a mobster, is basically like, who knows you guys are here? And Suvi's like, well, it's none of your business. And he basically says, I'm venturing to bet that Essentially, if something was to happen, no one would ever have known you were even here. Uh, so there's very much this kind of back and forth um, on like what the party wants, what they know. The party basically says, hey, we're here because we're looking for the sword. We saw the hedge mage Finley, who we had given it to, and he said he gave it to you. And Ursulon with the nat 20 has an insight check to realize that by just saying that alone, he's just condemned Finley to death by Will Gallows. Um, so kind of just a crazy moment. And all this to say, Will Gallows basically says, you know, you can have the sword for 5,000 markers, imperial markers. And they're like, well, we can't do that. And so then Will Gallows basically says, well, if you can't do that, what we can do instead is um, there's a man by the name of Payne who is, I think, either a mage or, or something, but who works basically for the... Um, uh, the ship battalion. I can't think of their name. Um, um, the Azure, the Azure battalion. Yeah. And essentially this person has been siphoning off funds from the Azure battalion for their own betting and scheming and what have you. And basically tells the group like, Hey, I want you to go take care of them essentially. Um, and from that, if you do that, then the sword will be yours basically. Um, so the party, there's a little bit of a conversation around, um, Suvi's role and like, what would that mean for her relationship with the Citadel and especially the Azure battalion? Uh, but all that to say, they eventually say, okay, yeah, we'll, as long as we have a friend in you and he's like, you're, you're not my friend, <laughs> but go do this job for me. Um, all that to say the party accepts the new quest and, uh, that is where we, I guess we'll break it up there and you want to take it from that moment on. Yes, sir. And uh, Sam Elliott is the mustache guy. Thank you. I Googled you. famous mustache guy. And, uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's great. So we, we pick back up. Um, Will Gallows and, and his men have left. And basically, like, Suvi immediately throws up because she's kind of, like, nervous oh. and doesn't know, like, what she's gotten herself into. She now may be, like, doing something to harm one of her fellow mages. Um, and so they kind of like take a moment to regroup, um, and they leave the Ace of Wands. And when they do, uh, the hostess, who I believe her name was Lila, she hands them all a playing card, um, <clears throat> that I think, it, I think they're aces, Ace of Wands, um, but they all have the number four on them. And she basically says four is Will Gallo's table. So basically like, should they come back when they come back, this is like their card to get in mm. essentially. Um, so they leave and they are, you know, Ame had her little episode with the fountain. They just had this kind of really anxious, high anxiety encounter. They're like, let's just find a place to sleep for the night. Um, so they look to Ursulon as he is the one familiar with this town. Um, and he wants to stay someplace, you know, nice, but he realizes, you know, I'm five gold in the hole from borrowing that money from Suvi for the silk cloth. Uh, maybe even more money in the hole because he borrowed money from Suvi for the drinks. So he's like, uh, let's just go somewhere I can afford. 
So they go to this place nearby that is just, you know, this kind of beaten down yeah. Motel 6, essentially. <clears throat> and they get a single room for three copper that they're all just going to split. And um, the only really detail we get before they go to bed for the night is that through their window, they can see those lights out in the ocean, the same ones mm-hmm. that they saw coming in. Uh, the next morning, everyone's hungover, uh, or mostly hungover, uh, including the fox, like Blake alluded to. And uh, Ame makes this blue liquid with her alchemy kit to kind of rehydrate everybody. It's basically Gatorade, it seemed like. Um, <clears throat> and then there's this moment where Ame and Suvi kind of apologize to each other for their little tiff that uh, Blake mentioned in the first half of the recap. Um, and Suvi just reiterates again that, you know, you just need to be careful with my name. Um <clears throat> And uh, like Blake mentioned, there there's this kind of like this moment of like an insight versus deception check where um, I think Abria states above table. Um, yeah, it's like a lie of omission. Um, but right. I, I yeah. don't think Ame rolled high enough to get any more information than that. Um, and we'll dive into that in our discussion. <clears throat> um, but yeah, she says, you know, refer to me as Sky in the presence of strangers. And Ursulon says, you know, yeah, you, if you want, you can also call me Bear or Toma. I've gone by both of those names. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they're basically like, okay, what's the plan? Um, and Suvi does, I think, a history check. Um, and basically what she puts together with that check is that, you know what, maybe it's not so bad if we went and kind of did this to the guild mage pain because if he actually is stealing then like that's what the citadel would want me to do like we want to turn in people that are stealing from Mm -hmm. the empire so she's kind of like self-rationalizing it that way and you know presumably that's going to be the course of action that they take but before they make any more moves um suvi lets it be known that like hey tonight or you know let's stay somewhere nice and Ursulon's like, hey, you know, yeah, that would be great. But, you know, I'm already in debt to you so much. I just, you know, this is all I could afford. And there's this like really heartfelt moment where Suvi's like, you know, you don't just look like my brother. You are my brother. Right. Like, you don't owe me anything. Um, and Ursulon, like, he appreciates that. And but he says, you know, I want to do the honorable thing and pay you back. Right. Um, anyway, they head downstairs to leave. Um, but before they do, they, uh, stop the innkeeper who we find out their name is Arthur. And, um, they basically have a quick discussion and they realize this place has fallen on really hard times and they are quite literally the only guests, the only room rented in the whole place. Um, and they notice the surrounding neighborhood is basically a ghost town. The roads are overgrown. Things are shuttered up. Um, and Arthur explains that, yeah. Ever since the closure of the gate, um, you know, we're no longer the first inn that people come across when they land in Port Talon. Um, And he says it's because of the wild growth of the kudzu coming in from the forest. um, And that that is what all this witch fire is about, trying to keep that at bay. Uh, So they ask more about it. And he says, you know, it started about two years ago, but really it was only a few months ago. Things started getting really bad. It just erupted Mm -hmm. um, seemingly overnight. And he tells of this one anecdotal story, I guess, of uh, people literally watching this kudzu devour a house like in real time. Um, So this is like a big problem. And the big wall that they've seen in Port Talon was actually erected to like help keep this kudzu at bay uh, and to keep the people inside safe. Um, Ame says, well, 
is anybody taking care of the forest shrine? Um, you know, since this wall is up and, you know, blocking it. And Arthur says, uh, no, you know, the people that live there, they had to move out. Right. Um, they then ask him about the wizard lights out in the ocean. And he says, that's the wizard Derek's, but doesn't say anything more than that. Um, yeah, people are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know what a Derek's is. Maybe we'll dive into that, into the discussion. Um, it gets like a, like a, I think I'm going to say this, but it's only, I'm realizing as I say it, it's only because it rhymes. I think it's like a barracks. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, more on that later. Um, uh, but he doesn't know any more than that. Um, but before they leave, you know, kind of having this moment with the innkeeper and realizing they're having a hard time, uh, Suvi does give him a gold and says, we're going to rent the entire floor for two right. weeks. So he's hyped about that. Um, but Ame then actually asks Arthur if, you know, he can share any local mythology. And um, <laughs> Brennan, basically how he handles this is he says, all right, I'm going to roll a luck check. And like, depending on how well he rolls, it will, you know, be what he divulges. And I, I didn't write it down, but he rolled pretty well. So um, I'm just going to run through what he shares here. Um, first and foremost, he says that shrine she was asking about is about a day and a half away. Um, <clears throat> but more importantly, he says that. Uh, before Port Talon was Port Talon, the lords here were said to host great spirits. And the first castle that was erected here was actually said to be a gift to the grandson of Naram the Wave Lord and Orima of the Reaching Green, which are the, the spirits from the statue mm. in the fountain. Um, Orima was this conquering spirit queen of the forest whose father was a great battle lord of the sky, and only the gentle touch of the waves could calm her fury a.k.a. Naram. And Naram taught the people here how to fish, how to swim, and he was the lord of gentle seas. Um, <clears throat> Arthur also tells them that the Golden Crest is a fisherman's village on the edge of town, and if they do go over there, um, a way they can get in good with them is to like touch their brow and say, blessings of Naram. It's like a gesture they do. Um, finally, Ursulan does a history check on Orama to see if you know he is familiar with this from the spirit world. And it does ring a bell, uh, and he remembers that one of the only times he saw his father turn around and change direction was when he found out where he was heading was where Orama was. So he was like, nope, mm -hmm. I'm not going that way anymore. Um, <clears throat> so after that, they leave, um, and Ursulon wants to go check on Finley, given what Blake was talking about in the first half, uh, where they basically realized they had condemned him to death. Uh, and another really cool moment here is Brennan says, well... You know, you, you slept. It's been a night. So Finley might already be handled. And he says, so I'm going to have you roll. And he tells Lou to just pick odds or evens. And uh, Lou picks evens and rolls a 16. So they go to Finley's and luckily he's still alive. Though <laughs> As soon as they step in, he pulls the throat cut maneuver again. It's like, ah, <laughs> they're like, hey, stop. We know what you're doing. Um, they tell him that, Hey, Will Gallows is after you. And there's this really funny sequence where he's like, Oh, I'm out of here then. Um, gathering up his things. And as he does, Suvi is like, well, let me see if I can like nab anything while he's distracted. So she runs in the back, but as soon as she opens the door to the back, she hears, um, ghost's voice. And there's like a spell activation and Ghost's voice is like, Oh, Hey, just a minute. Like I need a second. I'll be right there. And so Suvi like closes the door um, <clears throat> and does not progress further. Um, 
So they decide to leave after Finley, you know, takes off and Ame is like, hey, Fox, want to go get that trash? And he is elated, so happy that she remembered. Uh, so he sprints out towards the trash heap and uh, is dismayed because it is no longer there. It's now covered in just all of this rubble. And what has happened is this rubble is from the workshop that has been demolished as part of Ghost's escape. Um, she had that spell that Suvi heard, which was just her voice as like an alarm kind of to buy herself time um, as a distraction against Finley. But she broke out, took the um, candle golem with her and presumably made her way to the Azure Battalion. Um, <clears throat> so the crew leaves and they are making their way toward the Guild Spire. Um, and we're told that um, this is where the crown mages uh, reside. And um, Suvi walks up. There's guards outside. Um, and she's actually wearing a disguise. It's not that important. Uh, but she has to drop the disguise for them to recognize her and be allowed entry, um, which she does. You know, they recognize she's a wizard of the Citadel, immediately let her in. Um, but before they can go through the actual doors... Um, there's kind of a magical pat down that needs to happen to make sure that, you know, everything's on the up and up. Um, and this magical pat down, if you will, um, pings the fact that Ursulon is wearing a glamour and they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to need you to drop that glamour. And Ursulon, um, lies and says, Oh, I'm horribly scarred, horribly disfigured. Like, can I please just leave this up? Um, so he has to roll a deception check. And a great moment here is the fox actually gives him the help action because, you know, he's a little conniving guy. Um, long story short, Ursulon does beat the um, DC of the check, so they let him keep the glamour. Everyone is let in um, and they're, you know, placed down in a waiting area for the guild mages to come and greet them. They eventually do. And the spire, Brennan describes it, you know, beautifully. Um, the mages eventually come out from like this door that opens beneath the waterfall and uh, there's a number of them, but they're led by a mage wearing all white. Um, and as he comes out, he is so honored to see Suvi. He instantly recognizes her as, you know, the apprentice to Archmage Silence, but also as the daughter of Soft and Stone. Um, and he is just so happy that a Citadel wizard is here to see what these guild mages have been up to. And there is literally this explosion of fireworks and like this chanting of Suvi's name that happens. And that's where the episode ends. Um, again, this was episode six of worlds beyond number fresh fish. And, uh, if you want to see our full discussion again, that'll be linked down below. Great job, man. And yeah. I apologize. Cause I, when you're doing your recap, I realized I stole some moments from you that I thought happened earlier, <laughs> but that were actually later. Um, no worries. Anyway, so, but yeah, um, yeah, that was a, it wasn't, I guess it was a long episode for worlds beyond. Um, yeah, I think it was like two hours maybe, or yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, thanks for bearing with us. There was a lot of info to cover in that one. Um, but yeah, man, let's, let's dive into it. You know, first and foremost, the huge, what'd you think? I loved it. Loved it. Um, really liking this group. Um, loving Brennan's style um and uh it it was uh it was just a really good episode uh, Brennan's so gifted at creating like atmospheric moments and kind of guiding the players like i think about that nat 20 insight from lou where he mentions that Brennan mentions that finley is now a dead man um 
and you can almost feel the table being like, bro. <laughs> yeah. So really good episode. Um, how about you? Yeah. Same here. I uh, know this, just like with our critical role, I, I, I'm hard to even fathom a situation where I'm like, this was terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, like I said, this was a longer one, which I was, you know, very excited to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to just parrot everything you said, but those were pretty much my thoughts. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that moment specifically, which maybe we'll talk about it later, but um, in the, it was either in the fireside chat or maybe it was just during the episode, but Lou was like that in all my years of D and D, like I, I want that one back. That was my, I don't want that nat 20. It was like the first time I've ever regretted a nat 20. Yeah. Yeah. It could have lived in humble ignorance, Yeah, but uh, interesting that he, his character wanted to save Finley, by the way. Um, I just yeah. thought that was yeah, I interesting mean, reflection of his character. Yeah. I mean, he is, he, he wants like, you know, he want, this is a kid that wanted to be a knight. Like he wants to be honorable. It, it didn't surprise right. me, especially like, not that like Finley was a good guy or anything, but even by the end of last episode, they were kind of like agreeable, not agreeable. I don't know, but you know, it seemed like there weren't really too many hard feelings, at least from Ursuline's side, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I think I don't remember who said it, but part of that conversation was um, like, again to the nat 20 like he knew that he had condemned him to death it would have been different if it was just like like if he didn't roll the nat 20 and it was just like oh you could tell that you know gallows was upset about that and like but maybe that just meant like he was gonna get the beat down mm -hmm. or something uh then uh i think lou was like then I, you know i wouldn't have even thought about it but since he knew that like he was gonna get killed yeah. for it that's why he was um, yeah. motivated to go there which maybe felt, I mean, ultimately responsible for it too. I think that's probably another piece of it was, yeah. you know, yeah. and th this is a level one group. Um, and there is sort of this trend of naivety. Uh, we saw it from Ursula in this episode. Um, Suvi really dislikes these moments of naivety from Ame. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they they're kind of out of their element a little bit. I guess they're learning they're learning as they go. I guess it's kind of how the world works. Um, and I think it's interesting. Suvi, in kind of a tangential thing, Suvi is so quick. I feel to kind of own her clout of being a wizard of the Citadel, um, which I think is is not wrongfully done. But I think back to. Um, Oh gosh, what's her name? Um, Silver, uh, her her, mom's... Men her mentor. Yeah, yeah. Um, that person's advice on you know just be mindful. Not everyone will appreciate your status. I guess, right. and so I wonder if that will come to be true. In that she'll, I don't want to say that she gets humbled because I don't, I don't think it's like a pride, like. I'm not really talking much about pride. I just, I do think it's and not even so much a get out of jail free card. It's not that she hasn't used it in that way, but it opens up lots of doors for the group. And I'm, I'm just curious 
And I wonder if Brennan's thinking this too, of how would the group respond if that gets confined a bit or squelched a bit? Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see kind of as the group gets more experienced, literally and figuratively, um, kind of how that plays out, I guess. Yeah. Um, they, I think they talked about this briefly in one of the first fireside chats. Um, they were just talking about like how cool it was to, to give a level one player that, that item, meaning the staff that kind of Mm -hmm. denotes her status. Um, and, uh, I, again, it's been a while, so I don't really remember. But like the general consensus was like every time she's used it so far, she's just kind of fallen on her face, which wasn't really true. But like at least with the boat captain, it, you know, it got her in the door. But then they're like, well, you're going to pay us. And if you can't pay us, like, <laughs> sorry. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Well, or, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say I to your point, I'm excited or not excited, but I'm interested to see because like that captain example, I guess we've seen it not really work, not be enough at least, but I'm interested to see when it is the complete opposite reaction, like shows that to somebody thinking it's going to be a good thing, but it, it's actually like somebody that hates the Citadel or something, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. Brennan's got something like that up his sleeve. Like, Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, we talked about this, just since we're on the topic of Suvi, there's a, there's a little bit to unpack even more with her character. Um, we got seemingly confirmation and I'll tip my hat to you because I think this came from you originally that, um, the naming system of the wizards of the Citadel. Uh, and for our listeners, we talked about this uh, a few episodes back on, you know, is this kind of like there's power in a name kind of thing and are they withholding their name or is this, is this like a fake name basically? And it seemed like we got a nod to that theory. It seemed like something's happening with her name, Suvi, that maybe that's not her real name. Yeah. But that's, what's so interesting is that the, the implication and pretty much above table was said is that Suvi's not her name. Right. But then to add like another complicated layer to that, she's like, but call me sky. You know, so like right. we have a th- a third name yeah. now, a second alias. So yeah. like that, I'm I'm very interested now because I mean, again, we don't exactly know. At, at the end of the day, this is a story; it's a D and D campaign, so some elements are just gonna be as they are, um, and maybe could be reverse engineered even to a, an extent. But like. As a child, she was Suvi. Her parents called her Suvi. So, like, what is her what is her real name, and when was it ever used? Like, or is yeah. this just something that all mages do? Like, you have a secret birth name, and like, no one uses that ever, basically, except for I don't know your parents or something, maybe. Um, well, and we know we know it all from her perspective. Um, true, so it, it, kind of like an unreli- unreliable narrator kind true. of way. It could be that her you know, the, the children's adventures, her parents called her by her real name. Maybe she hadn't acquired like her wizard name yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was aware of her parents, like wizard name or something like that. I don't know. Um, the third name sky is very interesting. I would give a nod to Abria in her just doing a really good job kind of showing the, um, 
it's not like disingenuous, but it's a little illogical in the sense of, okay, you, you, you will use the staff to kind of like showboat a little bit or try to open opportunities, but at the same time, you don't want your name mentioned. Like you want like a level of secrecy and it's, it's, it is a bit illogical. And I think something that I feel like came up in the episode with the ship was Suvi sort of like being this inexperienced leader and just trying to like, this is what a leader does. Like, this is what I say, you know, you, and even getting angry at Ame being like, you know, don't question me. Like, I just think of like someone who's like become a, a first time middle manager who thinks they know everything they should be doing. And even like does things that are like an opposition of each other. My long, my long way of saying that I think Abria is just intentionally playing Suvi as this person who seems to be confident and has everything together, but is also a little bit in a little bit of a way drowning, um, being a level one, you know, character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right on the nose there. Um, kind of, kind of, cause that's like how she's always had to be. Like she lost her parents at such a young age and now she is coming off losing Rin, who was the closest thing aside from silver, I guess, but I would say Rin was probably more of a, Oh, maybe they both were. Um, but you know, so like what else can she do, but like fake it till you make it sort of situation. And I, the the moment you mentioned earlier about the ship, um, her trying to use her clout to like get passage. I think that's one of the best illustrations of it being all talk in that she, she basically makes the demand and the person then she didn't fall on her face in the sense of like the ship captain was like, well, no, who are you? The person said like, okay, yeah, we can do that. But I, we have these things to, these things we're shipping that we need to get to a certain place on time. Like, how would we go about like resolving that? And Suvi's lack of experience shows. She's like, I don't know what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a really, that thing that reinforces your point that, yeah, it's, it's fake it till you make it. Um, so. Yeah. And <clears throat> to, to, to kind of just stream of consciousness about this name a little bit. Um, so we know, okay. So I think when she's using sky, I would assume that's like when her staff would, would also be glamored and she's just trying to be like a normal person. Right. Right. Um, and then maybe like, at least if she's under the presumption of like being a, a mage of the Citadel, I'm curious if she would use Suvi or Sky. Yeah. You know, uh, not- notably another S name, by the way. Yeah. And <clears throat> this is something that, that uh, was asked uh, around this subject in the fireside chat as well. And Brennan said, you know, like, I'm not like, that's something that will be unfurled as, as the campaign goes on. So he's not really going to explain it, um, but he did touch on it. And the, the thing he said was um, who says there's only one naming convention. So implying that, you know, whatever's going on with Suvi and her parents and Silver and, you know, all of them, maybe there is like an S thing, but that doesn't mean it's true for everyone. And we ha- we know that to be true because we heard the name Payne, the name Moro um, and Galvan or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm just right. very. Right. So, so there's obviously more than one naming convention, but I think it's at least safe to assume that it's because of you know, not wanting people to have power over you by knowing your true name, but still the, the thing I'm still can't really parse is that, is that the double false name, um, 
but yeah, I guess maybe, I guess it's just an added layer of protection. But maybe hmm. you you have a, a fake name for the 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 peasants and a fake name for mages, and then the true name that yeah. I'm curious who gets to know that one. Yeah. Um, Speak, speaking of names, what is going on with the episode names? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's what I wanted to talk about when we mentioned it earlier. I was going to ask you this because I was like, uh, we weren't fish in this episode. <laughs> Were there? Because right. this one's called Fresh no. Fish. Right. And I think the one before was called like Water. Water Wa- Everywhere. Which I guess you could like say it was related to the fountain, maybe, and like that. But I still thought it was kind of a a stretch, and I was missing something. Um, so am, am I missing something, or is is some going on here? I don't know. It's tough because it's like is something being, and I don't know enough about Brennan in this group to know if like something's happening. The other, I think either something, I guess, I mean, this is going to be like the super obvious, like, well, thanks for saying that, Blake, either it's nothing, just (laughs) coincidence, or it is something that is like a bigger theme, or it is them being kind of goofy. And I say that because if you read like the episode description for this latest one, um, it's something, actually, I have it up right here. Um, You know. Port Talon's great. Um, uh, making new friends is easy unless you don't think someone might try to take advantage of the, no, don't even say it. Who would do such a thing? Nobody in Port Talon, that's for sure. Great town, good schools. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, it may be nothing where it's just like, yeah, fresh fish. I don't know, just comes to mind and they just say it. Who knows? Yeah. But there's definitely like a nautical theme of these last, I guess, four episodes that aren't, there's not a direct tie to the content of the episode. So like, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't I'm look I'm looking at the episode titles right now. The first four I think have a pretty direct Yeah, the charter is the meaning. ship. Yeah. In the drink, they're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Water, water everywhere. I mean, it was raining. Like yeah. in the episode. I don't know fresh fish. Interestingly, episode two is called The Naming of Things. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder who even is doing them. Like, maybe Taylor's the one naming them. Maybe it's Brennan. Um, <laughs> Some dude on Fiverr. <laughs> He's like, ah, we're going to I didn't listen to this, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's like episode titles that. <laughs> this one's called Brennan Dies. Like, wait, what? <laughs> What do you mean? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I had this same exact thought, um, but I don't I mean, you you, you put it out there. I, I think it's you know, we don't really know if it's just kind of not taken too seriously or if there is something deeper there. Um, let us know in the comments what y'all think or if, you know, those of you that have more experience with D20, if there's ever like hidden yeah. title ciphers or something. I mean, I don't think it's anything like that, but I mean, who knows? Um, I'm just glad we are surefire detective work of nailing every angle. It's either something or nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> we got it for you there. Um, what direction we want to go next? There's still quite a bit to cover. I feel like. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, 
I was going to say while we're there, I guess we weren't really there, but <laughs> speaking of the names and stuff coming from the, <clears throat> the Ace of Wands, um, Will Gallows and just that whole situation. Um, one, I'm curious about what games are played there. Bowling is apparently one. Yeah. You know? But here's the thing is this might have been a Taylor Moore thing. You know, because like the sounds of I don't know. If, I don't think Brendan actually said like the sounds of pins. I think we heard like bowling pins or something. Um, or did we? He, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what. I don't know. How, what What's the difference in what you're saying there? Oh, well, the difference is and this isn't even that insightful a point. But when I think about like the kinds of games played if there's bowling or not, you know, <laughs> this is all in like the, the subline of like, does the, the, the ace of wands, I think I might've called it the house of wands. <laughs> does the ace of wands have a bowling alley, uh, in this, you know, fantasy place. And where my mind went was either Brennan said something or Taylor Moore added like a bowling sound. Oh, I see without, saying. you know, without, you know, maybe Brennan, cause remember Brennan's talked about like how they, when they play, there's no sound effects. Obviously, there's not even mm-hmm. even music playing. Um, so Brennan's conception of this place might actually be a bit different from how Taylor Moore has characterized it. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't, I can't remember well enough to say, but for my, I thought Brennan said it, um, but it's entirely possible that you he did. Yeah, oh. um, you just you hear the rumble of pins and balls downstairs, which so kind of not the point we're talking about, but I loved that moment with, uh, with the, the insight or whatever being that they, you know, how had that loud game playing in case they needed to kill you guys up here. So like the, mm-hmm. they would have the muffle of the loud noise, um, cover, you know, their screams or whatever. Um, <clears throat> Jeez, thought, Brennan. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. And also, uh, yeah. quick fireside chat moment is, uh, one of them asked like, so in any world, like, were we getting in a fight in the uh, Ace of Wands? And Brennan was like, yeah, in the world where the campaign ends, <laughs> like <laughs> saying that, like, they would have just had the floor mopped, which I mean, they're level one. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. They, um, I think, remember, Ame has like eight hit points. <laughs> so, yeah. OK, that's really funny. Yeah, Will Gallows is interesting. Um, it was interesting, too, because. I think also there was an insight check where Brennan basically said like Ursula realizes that Will Gallows doesn't particularly have any use of the sword or maybe doesn't care much about it, but sees an opportunity to take care of this other person pain, Um, which I know the, it was kind of positioned as pain was kind of siphoning off um, the Azura Battalion's funds but was Will Gallus, Will Gallus saying like there was a debt there, like where Payne has like accrued a massive debt with him or just because it was kind of like a weird, overly pious thing of like he's doing this, like go. Yeah, I I had that same bug in my ear about that. Here's how I understand it. This dude comes to the, the House of Wands, Ace of Wands, gets in a bunch of debt. And the way he pays that off is by stealing from the empire or whatever is your battalion. Mm-hmm. So you would think if, as long as gallows is getting the money he's owed, 
why does he care? Um, right. <clears throat> so I, I feel you on that. I'm not sure. My best guess would be that this dude is a, a D bag, you know, maybe uh-huh. comes in here, flaunts his status as a guild mage or something. Um, you know, maybe he's just a thorn in his side. And so he mm. just is using this as an opportunity, even though Will Gallows maybe flush and maybe isn't owed money. Maybe he still right. is. Um, to me, that's that's my explanation there is that, you know, this dude is just somebody that yeah, would be I, better off not around for him. And I think it's in some ways it kind of illustrates how threatening Will Gallows is in or or manipulating he is because he if, if that is the case, then it's interesting how Brennan has Will Gallows portray this as this person stealing this person's doing something wrong kind of implying like well of course you'd want to help with this right yeah rather than making it at all about himself um which i think was just a really nice character decision that brennan made um because it could have been the cliche you know you know he's stealing from me or he owes me money make sure he knows not to mess with me or something but didn't go that route yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, I'm not saying I believe this to be the case, but it could be that Payne doesn't steal at all. Like maybe that's just what Gallo said. That's dark. I didn't even I didn't even think that far until <laughs> but you're 100% right. Yeah. You know, I, there was an insight check made, but I mean, we never know. Like we don't know what mm-hmm. the DC right. was, so maybe they just think he's telling the truth, but maybe he was lying through his teeth. Um Regardless if that is the exact case or not, I think you're right that Gallows is manipulative and smart enough to know, like, this is the information I need to say, regardless of its level of truth, to get the best chance of this Citadel wizard helping me. Like, she's not going to help me unless she thinks, you know, she has her reasons for it being, like, virtuous or whatever. Um, Which, speaking speaking of, um, Suvi's status, like, is she like deeply threatening her own status with the Citadel by doing this, but especially like working with Will Gallows. Like, cause I think doesn't the um, hostess or someone says something like, we don't, we don't get wizards from the Citadel here. Cause like she yeah. lies and says like, Oh, my friend said this is a great place. And they were like, Hmm, no, they don't, they don't come here. Um, yeah. It was uh, Arlie. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I, I was wondering that too. Um, I mean, I, I guess not. I, I would assume if like people knew the, the truth of what she was doing, especially if this pain thing goes through, like that would not be a good look for her. Um, so I feel like it is like a risk that she's taking by doing this, but you know, it's kind of the positioning, which they talk about this a little bit later. Um, the positioning of like, you know, my whole life I've worked with the Citadel. Am I going to have to betray that to help my friends? Um, so yeah, I think that I think that angle's definitely there. Um mm. yeah, okay. So yeah, for my money, I think she would if they do this if it's a success, like I don't think she ever tells anybody about the Will Gallows angle, you know? I think she just right. presents it as, "Oh, I found out Payne was stealing." So um right. Well, and I also wonder like at what point is there like a I know her mirrors were busted, but like at what point someone like yeah. comes to check in like Hey, you're supposed to just go, you know, visit um, what's your grandmother Wren, and now it's been like you know, True. two weeks or however long it's been. So we do uh, know that um, Silver said, you know, there's no like 
I don't remember the, the, the wording, but when she first was leaving, it was like, well, when do I need to be back? And she's like, you know, just stay as long as it takes. Um, yeah. which Ren passed almost immediately. So I would assume that they know that maybe, I mean, maybe they don't know that, but with such like a presumably powerful person like Ren, you would think the Citadel would somehow be aware of. Yeah. Of well, her passing. I, though I think silver said it genuinely, like we've all worked for a job that has said that. Yeah. And yet, you know, there comes a point where they, right. every job will be like, Hey, so, so uh, <laughs> Especially this like powerful archmage who wants probably his assistant back. So true. He is know. he did seem kind of senile though. So maybe true. Maybe it's all the same <laughs> to him. Um, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I so. I had forgotten that her mirror broke. Did that ha- yeah. did that happen because of the the king in the night? Yeah, uh-huh. his presence it's shattered. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if, I mean, I'm sure it does, but like the message spell, like, I wonder if that exists, you know, Right. because, but the fact that they gave her the mirror makes it seem like, I mean, I guess they they both could be true. It exists, but maybe this is the more common way or the more easy way easily. Or maybe that's the mechanism that it works in this world. Um, True. Who knows? Um, But yeah, good point. I imagine maybe we'll be hearing Mm -hmm. something soon. Yeah. Um, um, but Will Gallows, real quick, <clears throat> he was described interestingly, like you you mentioned it in the recap, mm-hmm. like his veins. And I remember, uh, I'm not looking at my exact notes of the moment right now, but he had like ghost white skin. Um, yeah. And was like simultaneously tall and lanky, but also like huge hands, broad shoulders. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> plus the whole legend of his backstory being that like he was hung and then came here like hanged what do we think the deal is like the way he described him kind of was like a corpse sort of like kind of feeding into that but i wonder like is he human is he i don't know like is he like laudna like is does that type of thing exist in this world uh for those of you that don't write critical role laudna is a remember what the name for it is and hollowed one hollowed one so yeah i wonder if he's like the umora version of hollowed one or you know maybe there's nothing to unpack there necessarily um maybe it's just flavor and you know rich backstory mm-hmm. but um i'm definitely curious like i want to know more about him and i stupidly just listening to this episode put together gallows being <laughs> Probably not his real last name and more of, you know, feeding into the legend. Yeah, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the description were that like he he looked larger than he should be or something like that. Um, In addition to what you said, like the lankiness of him. um, So some kind of like magical thing for sure. Do we think he's a spirit? Yeah, I was I was wondering that as well. Um, just especially, I mean, not that this is definitely not like a telltale sign of a spirit, but it just was fresh on the mind because Ghost had ghostly white skin, and you know she was a spirit. Um, so that's just like where my mind went to when Brenner described his skin that way. Um, 
like money on the table, I wouldn't say he's a spirit, but I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of spirits, we got some more context about the two spirits, the dancing statue. Yes. Um, it's, this is like a total jump ahead. It's interesting that the gentle ocean Nassam, uh, Naram, I think Naram, but that one's face had been vandalized and not yeah. the other one, which is the implication of the kudu. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. In my notes, I have it spelled kudzu, but that, yeah. I don't know if that's how you say it. Yeah. Do we think that's related in some way? And even Ami's vision of like thirsting vines that were bringing ruin. I feel like it has to be. I feel like it has to be related. <clears throat> it, it makes it only makes sense. And we did get some. I'm just kind of throwing this in because while we're here, but we did find out a couple things that we were kind of wondering about in the last episode with that segment. One, this did happen a long time ago. And two, in the in Ame's episode, there was mention of like the wall that was erected. And we know about the wall in current day. And I was like, is that the same wall? But presumably it's not the same wall. But yeah. I guess just coincidental phrasing. Um, because the wall in present day presumably was recently erected because of the kudzu. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> But maybe it is like a, an intentional parallel, especially if the kudzu thing is because of um, Orima, because the wall array. I mean, I'm assuming in that it was definitely, yeah, never mind. It was definitely Orima in that flashback um, where they erected the wall. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just like I. It's so interesting to wonder what happened because seemingly, you know, at one point before Port Talon was Port Talon, um, the grandson of that couple was gifted the first castle or whatever here. So presumably Orima and Naram would have been on like good terms with the people of future Port Talon. I'm just going to call it Port Talon. But then in that flashback scene, like you mentioned, the vines, the the spear from the heavens, which I think now would be a reference to her father. Mm -hmm. um, what happened that caused Orima to turn on poor Talon? Mm -hmm. I, and I, yeah, I, unless that happened it, first and, and then, then they became, and then it became yeah. chill and then they erected the statue. That makes more sense to me, but I also wonder if there's like a situation going on where like the lore has become so like optimistic and yet detached from like what really happened. Like, I think it'd be interesting if in, if these two spirits never allied for lack of a better phrasing, but as people tell the story, it's, hmm. you know, um, I can't think of it. It's like, I, I kind of think of it as almost like a Columbus, um, Christopher Columbus thing where it's like, you know, yeah. And then all the native Americans, they were all best friends. And then you yeah. find out like many years later that how awful a person he was, you right. know, um, which sorry guys, I've had to be the one to let you know. <laughs> um, I, but so I do kind of wonder if any of that's in play of like how these two spirits are remembered 
which was them dancing and kind of cute, I guess. This vision of that Ame got, if that is kind of the real, um, or it's what you said, like that's what happened first, and then they, you know, um, the Rom sort of calmed her down, <laughs> for lack of better phrasing. Yeah, I mean, it could be could be any of the three. You know, history is not told correctly. The attack happened first, and then they chilled and had peace, or they had peace and something happened that caused. Because here's what I wonder: Why was Naram's face vandalized? Like that—that <clears throat> that has to be too intentional a detail for yeah. Brennan. Just, just out of convenience. Like I feel like there has to be something there, especially <clears throat> if Naram was known as sort of the gentle one, like mm-hmm. talking about a fish. Like there's a whole village devoted to him. Like, yeah, you know. there, there seems to be some. I mean, this is very basic, but on some level, we know that there is like value in spirits and wild ones. You know, we had the hedge mages trying to capture Ursulon at the very start right. of this story. Um, <clears throat> so I don't want to like extrapolate that to the highest degree, but it seems like there's probably just generally a level of animosity between like some sect of humankind um, wanting for power reasons because they're envious for whatever reason, like to take down the spirits, you know, cause that's where the magic first came from. So maybe it was like, I'm not saying every human feels this way. Obviously they don't, but there's obviously some sect that is like adversarial with spirits. <clears throat> so maybe if, if we are in the timeline of things were chill and then things got crazy for whatever reason, maybe it's because of this, that interaction. And maybe for that reason, his, his face was defaced or something, but in that case, I don't know why you wouldn't deface both. I, I don't know. I mean, I do agree that it seems like it's more than just a description of normal wear and tear. It seemed more intentional than that. Um, <clears throat> but to, to turn this into present day again, for my money, it seems it seems like the kudzu has to be related to Orima. Yes, um, 100%. <clears throat> and it, it seems... I'm just going to the transcript now from the previous app. Yeah. Um, Go ahead though. I was going to say, it seems like, I don't think it's the direct. I don't think the direct cause of the kudzu is the shrine being abandoned. Cause it seemed like the shrine was only abandoned because of the kudzu. But I do wonder if, you know, Ame does decide to trek out there and, you know, take care of it, restore it. If that might help. Um, But I'm curious what the inciting incident was. Um, again, maybe it's. I don't want to like make all of these assumptions, but if we can assume there is some sort of, for lack of a better word, not like official war, but a war between some faction of humankind and these spirits, maybe like this is in some retaliation to what's going on. Yeah. Right. Um, and maybe, should what's happened. Go ahead. Sorry, I was. Uh, Last thought, maybe even no, this isn't it. But I was gonna say maybe even something to do with those lights out in the ocean. I did Google Derek, and it's apparently like an oil rig or like a crane of some kind. Okay, um, that's kind of what I was imagining, like one of those oil things in the ocean. Yeah, and I did look go back and look at the transcript. He said, um, uh, "You see that the woman's face is eternally beaming with joy, looking over the shoulder of her." So their faces. 
um, actually don't see each other because their embrace is so close. The man's face, however, has been vandalized. So. Interesting. Yeah. I think definitely they're connected with the kutsu or kutsu, um, which may be kind of the bigger thing in play. Um, I'm also interested to see how fast they get Wavebreaker and like where do they go from there? Because it does seem like there's a lot happening in this town that they could get involved in unrelated to their quest. True. True. Yeah. I mean, I mean, presumably they're going to get Wavebreaker, you know, either because of the pain errand or whatever else. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm wondering that as well. Like, is the next step. We we just don't really know exactly how it works. Like, they're going to, like, cast some sort of spell through Wavebreaker that's going to, like, clear Ame's mind and she'll know things all of a sudden or. Seems like there has to be something more to it because I think Brennan even said something about Will Gallows being like he has the sword that he doesn't quite necessarily know how to use. Um, so I'm assuming it's harder than just like I have it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I disenchant you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm now I'm now thinking about all of this in the context of whatever the heck is going on in general. Like, what is the secret that grandmother Ren thought she told Ame, what is this power right. at the heart of the world? Like who cursed them? And for what reason? I, right. I would assume all these things are tied together. If not directly, then tangentially, like maybe, right. you know, that in some ways is why the spirit world's going crazy with this kudzu. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine, I mean, I guess Wavebreaker takes priority number one i would assume but it feels like at least ame will want to go check out that shrine so i feel like they might do that too yeah i think if her duty like she mentioned is to sort of tend to the shrines yeah um i could see that for sure i also wonder <clears throat> if those two spirits are alive still I mean, presumably Orima is, if we're fair to assume that this is because of her, then duh. But um, could Naram have died? And maybe that's why she is no longer like, that's why she's mm. she doesn't have her calming presence, you know, anymore or mm. something like that. Could the thing in the ocean be disturbing Naram or like harvesting his energy or something? And that's got her upset or something. Yes, I like that a lot. I mean, it's been, sure. ever since you said the the oil rig thing, it makes me think like they're harvesting something out there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I didn't think of that. Yeah, interesting. Just looking at this transcript because I'm thinking about that. Yeah, let me let me check my notes really quick. How do you think this play did they did the did the person identify themselves when they went to the mage's tower, the guild tower, whatever, who was like elated that um that was uh Moro, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. Guild Mage Moro. Yeah. I also was very suspicious of that too. Of like, oh great, the wizard's here. And I was like, Are yeah. you excited? How I it was a little over the top for me as well. <laughs> A hundred percent. There were fireworks that came out. <laughs> That's my point. That's why I'm like, mm. so yeah, I, 
I, I like parsed two main things from that. One, we, we already talked about this earlier, but, you know, Suvi sometimes, you know, tries to use her clout um, and it's worked to varying degrees. Uh, but this is the first time somebody like knows who she actually is beyond yeah. just being a Citadel mage uh, or wizard. Um, yeah. Like he, he knows she's an apprentice to an archmage and he knows her parents even. Um, <clears throat> so it was cool to kind of see like the actual prestige of being this like pro- child prodigy as it were to be, you know, be the youngest archmage apprentice ever. Um, <clears throat> so I think to me, it was a combination of that, like meeting someone who is I don't know, fa- famous might be too strong of a word, but like famous amongst Citadel wizards even. Um, but two in the language he used about like, I can't wait to show you what we've got going on here. Like um, a, a Citadel wizard has come to visit us. Like I never thought the day would come, but I was still prepared for it. Like, so to me, it seems like, he doesn't really know why she's there and he thinks it's because like maybe he's going to get some clout because like, mm. oh, they're finally going to recognize what we're doing here. You read my email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. So I think it was more like excitement because of what this might mean for him more than just excitement to meet her. Yeah. Okay, That's how no, I was parsing it. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that could that could work for sure. I didn't know if like since pain and Mora were both mentioned a lot in the um, Ace of Wands that mm-hmm. if they're in some way like connected and this was like showboating in some way to like basically um, sort of like groveling to avoid suspicion, I guess. Um, so I went a much more sinister route than it sounds like you did, which I think either could be totally doable. I actually really like your theory. Well, he... Um, he wouldn't know that she even knew that though. Right. I don't think so. I just think, I think if you're doing something wrong and like a police officer shows up, I mean, probably naturally like, Oh, um, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, that's okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I'm also really curious to see how Suvi, you know, does she, does she sort of gobble up all this, um, you know, yeah. she obviously was enjoying it from the, the start, but as this, if this gets like a lot more, um, I can't think of the phrasing for it, but if they can, if it continues, I'm just curious, um, for someone who gave Ame a hard time of being naive, I would just be interested to see if she herself, you know, in enjoying the clout, uh, I guess that's our buzzword for today. If she finds herself being, you know, missing kind of clear signs or signal, I don't know. I'm just interested to see kind of how it plays out. Yeah, me too. And a couple of like just lore kind of things I just want to parse um, that we picked up on here. Um, one, the the tower itself. Uh, let me, I'm going to try to find my spot in the notes exactly. Um, but it was the something chorus. I might actually I'm confusing two things, I think. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah. Was there uh, like a let me find it? A chorus the, mage the scepter's chorus but i was kind of confusing myself the azura battalion and the scepter's chorus which they're a branch of wizards that work for the crown um big practical jobs that are not military focused but still of interest they've been working together on the kudzu problem 
Um, <clears throat> so I did want to bring that up, but that wasn't what I was trying to talk about now. The um, this, this guild tower, I don't know if it has an official name. I can't remember it if it does. Um, <clears throat> but these are also mages of the crown. Um, and we've heard this a few times, but the Syrah or Syrah Imperium. So with the context clues we have now, is that the royal family's name? Like the Syrah family? Or did you, did you I parse miss, any of I this? I entirely. Um... <clears throat> Let me see if I can just find the exact spot in my notes real quick. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, I will say it was interesting kind of getting more insight, like the hierarchy of magic yeah. users in the empire. I think it was something like they were looking at Suvi with like thinking of their own aspirations, um, which previously I kind of thought of like everyone who becomes a wizard is part of like the Citadel. And it seems like not only, even though Suvi is level one, like this very level of wizardry, yeah. I guess. Yeah, 100%. I, I was going to bring up the same thing. Um, yeah, Brennan said, like, if they, they wish they could have been Citadel. Um, and I'm not sure if there's a distinction here or not. Um, but Suvi is a wizard, a Citadel wizard. But, like, Moro and Payne, they have been referred to as guild mages. I'm wondering if right. wizard is an elite title and, like, you right. wouldn't call Payne or Moro a wizard. But maybe you yeah. would. I don't know if that's an actual distinction or not. Um, but yeah, so, okay. The guild hollow tower serves two masters is how Brendan described it. Um, the Citadel in their training and the crown in their service. So, um, and then he says the Sarov Imperium. And again, I might be mispronouncing that, but so to me, that means, and we've heard the Imperium a lot. So I'm assuming that's the Royal family. And that's just like what they're called. Like that's what their dynasty is called. For whatever reason, yeah, the, the emblem Imperium. of the yeah, the emblem of the Sarah Imperium, a geometric runic crown emblazoned five and shapes that surround it on all sides, and the S delineated in bright gold on blue here within the space. Is this also maybe the reason that the um most elite wizards have an S name? Like, is it out of like mm. adoration or like reverence of the royal family? It's a good guess. You could see it. So, yeah, I, this flew over my head, by the way. So, um, with reading <clears throat> the transcript, yeah, it makes total sense that this likely is like the royal family. What, and to what you just said about the S name thing, like I mentioned earlier, Brennan said there's multiple like naming conventions. Maybe that is why the, the ones that we've heard up until this point, we're all S because all of those ones were Citadel like power players. And then mm -hmm. the ones we haven't heard Moro pain are the lower rank. So that, mm -hmm. that would be cool. Like if you're the, if you're the elitist of the elite, get the S name. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, another thing that I thought was really cool um, when Brendan was describing Moro is the ring, which we know Suvi's father had a ring that now Suvi has, I think. Um, I don't know if Suvi's father's is the same situation, but it might be. Uh, but Brennan said it was a ring that like, and I'm paraphrasing, 
had access to like the arcane pool of the Imperium. Which mechanically yeah. was making me think like, does that mean he can like cast like use spell slots from his ring that like doesn't use his spell slots or something? So like free spells. I just like how Britain like off the cuff says these like things that everyone's just like, oh yeah. And like no one no one's like, okay, wait, what? What is that? <laughs> like it's it's I don't know. I I'm just like sometimes I wonder, like, am I the only one who picked up on that? I'm like, okay, what the heck is that? So I'm glad, I'm just glad you mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, so. I guess the in world, I guess, I mean, like, I don't think Ursulon would know what it meant, but like, mm. that would be like a common thing for a mage to have, you know? So yeah. like, um, yeah, I just thought that was really cool and it made me wonder how it worked. And it's just cool to know that like, presumably at least all the powerful mages have like this yeah. arsenal <laughs> on their finger. Yeah. And he like mentioned the scroll that he carried, like contained multiple spell books. Um, yeah. <clears throat> just some really cool, like uh, world building, I guess would be the appropriate phrase. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see, like you said, how Suvi reacts to this praise and to like what happens when Moro finds out that like, she's not there to like, right. you know, lift him up necessarily <laughs> yeah. if, if yeah. the attitude changes, right. um, which quick question, do we know why they went there? I think they're inspecting, uh, pain. They're trying to get to, they're pain. just trying to get some more information. Okay. I think pain might even work here. Well, I think he works for the Azure battalion, which I don't know. Maybe the, I think, think they're separate entities but maybe not i think they i think they are but that they are all like um under the same umbrella kind of yeah i kind of think of it as like the house and the senate and like the supreme court yeah, okay. like all different. yeah but but even more like in in this world like separate factions that have kind of all allied imperium i guess mm -hmm. um so maybe this is like you know a coworker space. <laughs> yeah. We all work here together. But yeah, I, I, I assuming it's some way can to pain. Yeah. That would so be learning, either learning more about pain or even like trying to confront. That checks out. So, but well, anything else from this episode? Um, I'm just looking really quick. I don't, I think we covered most of it, if not all of it. Um, Uh, yeah, I think we pretty much covered the only the one the one moment that we didn't talk about that I did like though um, is Ame remembering the trash. I uh, yes, it made me happy that she remembered and kind of maybe not that yeah. I thought it was going to be like a big thing, but you know we thought the fox thought that she just yeah. lied to him. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and is that when he said I love you? Like he he told her he loved her, and I don't know if it was after that moment or if it was earlier, like with the wine or something, but. Um, yeah, Fox is just the best man and him, Fox him helping Ursulon with the deception check. That was such a good moment too. And I also like the Fox. Um, maybe it was the conversation like in the drawing room about the argument over like Ame giving their names. I love the Fox being like, maybe having a name, a name's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <kinda> told you so. <laughs> so anyway, all right, well let us know what you guys thought of the episode, your favorite parts, your theories on what the heck's going on. 
uh, I guess the next episode is here in about today's Friday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, about four days, the new one will drop and we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Yeah, y'all. And I always want to mention this at the start of the episode, because I'm sure we'll catch more people that way. But I always forget um, if you, you know, like talking uh, Worlds Beyond Number or, you know, just any stuff in this realm, be sure to join the discord. We got some people, you know, chatting about the episodes um, all week long and would love to, you know, theory craft and dive in with you there as well. Yeah. And unrelated to Worlds Beyond, I did jump in to the live chat, which we have a live chat for Dimension 20 for the and also Critical Role. Um, that was really fun being part of. So definitely echoing Will's encouragement. Um, join our community. And feel free to let us know what you think. Yeah, I'd love to do... It doesn't really make... It's harder to do like a live chat along for something like this that's audio only. But yeah. it would be fun like at least every once in a while if we set up like, yeah. a, all right, we're all going to listen to it. At, you know, everybody yeah. press play and we could talk while it was going on. Yeah. Um, so no plans for that, like right now, set in stone. But again, another reason to join the discord, because I would like to set something like that up. Yeah. Uh, thumbnail. Thumbnail. Got any cudgels around? No. <laughs> I, uh, I have a water bottle. It's a big one. That's pretty much it. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, do I have any playing cards? I have a business card. I thought I did have playing cards around here. If you have another idea, feel free to say it, but I'm going to look real quick. Bro, you know what I do have, actually? This is like the longest setup for a thumbnail. <laughs> um, hang on one sec. This, I found the cards and this isn't even gonna, it's gonna be so small on a thumbnail. No one's even gonna know. What'd you say? I was just kind of talking to myself slash the audience that I did find the playing cards. I do have this toy sword, my initiative <laughs> tracker. Okay, you know, I'll hold up this card. You hold up the toy sword. Yeah. <clears throat> it's gonna be, like this. this is going to be so small, no one's even going to know, but... Yeah. Right. Hold it, like, a little bit out from you, I think, and that might help. Like, well, just, like, closer to the camera. Oh. Um, yeah, like that. Yeah. We nailed it, as usual. As usual. All right, guys. We love you. <laughs> we love you very much. And is it Thursday yet? Wait, wrong fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, I don't know if this is going to be a thing. Well, there was a thing in the episode that ooh, it feels like it might be. Oh, a bit. yeah. Oh, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Dang it. I wish I mentioned that. Uh, well, we just did. Um, I'm curious if, if they were like, it's a cultural thing. Like, and you're all from the same place. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, so. I'm wondering if that'll be a bit. And then there's kind of a new bit potentially from the fireside chats where they're signing off by saying crackle crackle or, or cackle cackle something to that effect um yeah, okay so crackle crackle y'all yeah they <laughs> have a good weekend see ya <laughs>